Welcome to Identity Church Sunday Morning Message, where sonship is revealed. Stay tuned at the end of this message to receive more information about resources available through Identity Church. Now grab your Bible, sit back, and enjoy a message from Identity Church that is already in progress. So uh, I just want to take a moment. Anthony has, I know, I've I've started coming to men's meeting. And uh, I've just, I love your heart, man. I love uh, the journey. I've been watching your post on Instagram. Um, I just love your heart for people. I love the way you love uh, intentionally and you love well. And, uh, you know, I wish I, I loved some of the unlovable the way that I've seen you love them. And so it just, it uh, brings joy to my heart to see how God uses you to love the unlovable in, in the kingdom. And so I, I just uh, welcome you this morning to uh, give the word that God has given you. And we just bless you this morning in Jesus' name. Okay. Good morning, everybody. Um, I'm happy to be here this morning. You know, it's, it's Pentecost Sunday, and that's awesome. Um, yeah, on the Christian calendar, it's Pentecost Sunday. And, and when, I was, when I was a kid, Pentecost Sunday was a big deal, you know. Well, not when I was a kid because I didn't grow up in the church. You know, I didn't get saved until I was 18. So if, when I was a kid, if you asked me what Pentecost Sunday was, I would say it's an Italian asking about the cost of a pen. Like, Pentecost, time with the Pentecost, the Sunday. But, uh, but growing up in the church, you know, when I, when, I, when I became a Christian, I mean, Pentecost Sunday was like the day that you expected tongues of fire to fall in the service and things were going to happen, the miraculous were going to take place. And I, what I've come to realize is, Pentecost Sunday was an event that happened one time. And now the tongues of fire are in us that come out. I'm not looking for something to fall down from the sky on me anymore. I'm looking to pour out onto somebody else, and that's what we need to look for. So, you know, it's the same thing with, you know, Christmas. All these holidays, all these things that happen are amazing, but we need to realize, like, we're beyond Pentecost Sunday. We're living in Pentecost. I mean, it's pretty cool. But that's not what I'm here to talk about today. In fact, I, don't, I didn't even have anything to talk about. Usually when Charlie asks me to preach, he gives me like two days notice. So I got to like really quick come up with something. And, and I'm good on the fly. That's kind of where I thrive, you know, when, when there's pressure. But this, he gave me like two weeks notice. And I'm like, no problem. I can handle this in two weeks, you know. And um, I started sitting down thinking about what, 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 what do the people need to hear, God, and nothing. My mind was just going all over the place. So this last week, me and my wife, we went out to um, Yellowstone, and I'm like, this is going to be the perfect place to write a sermon, man. At night in the mountains, I'm just going to relax, and God's going to come and tell me what to do. And every night I sat there and just, I'd start trying to think of what, and it's just like, oh, look at that mountain. My, my brain was all over the place. I could get nothing all week. I tried all week. And I tried. I, I really tried. And I even called Charlie one night. I said, Charlie, you know, I, I got nothing. I wasn't trying to get out of this, but I was like, you got to pray for me. I got nothing. And he's like, you'll get it. Just give it time. And so I'm like, God, tell me what the people need to hear. And he's like, Anthony, stop asking me what the people need to hear. Ask me what I'm saying. I'm like, ugh. I love those moments, right? So I said, okay, God, what are you saying? 
And it wasn't literally till yesterday on the flight home where I just downloaded what he showed me. And I want to start off by, I have, a, I have a, some things to say and I have some things God spoke to me and I'm going to kind of mix it up a little bit. This is something God spoke to me a couple weeks ago and he said to start this off by saying this. This was a word from God. You have heard many say the ground is hard. Plowing would be a fruitless endeavor. This area or that area cannot be won. I say this is false. I've not called my people to plow the land just to reap the harvest. I am the producer of seed. My son is the seed. My spirit is the fertilizer. Stop blindly trying to dig. Open your eyes and see that the harvest is plentiful. The ground of which I speak is not made of earth. It is made of hearts. Those who say the hearts of man are too hard to reach are themselves hard-hearted. Surely, if they knew my love, if they remembered what I saved them from, where they were before I chose to reveal myself to them, they would see that my goodness can soften any heart. But even some of my children who have received my forgiveness and declared me as Lord cannot accept my unconditional love. Therefore, how can one give to another that which they themselves have not received? This is a word of judgment. Yet some do not understand that my judgment does not condemn. It settles matters. My judgment is given through the sacrifice I made of my only begotten. My judgment is love, forgiveness, my judgment is not condemnation, but liberation. For those with an eye to see and an ear to hear, this will be revelation. And that's how I want to start this. If I was going to title this, it would be Wellness Check. God told me, my church needs a wellness check. I don't know if you guys are familiar with what a wellness check was. I used to work for the sheriff's department. A wellness check is, hey, I haven't heard from this person in a while. I want to make sure they're okay. Can you go check on them? And it's been a long year. We've had COVID. We've had a crazy election. We have laws that are getting passed. Everybody, it's, it's crazy. So God said, I'm sending you today to perform a wellness check on my people. I said, okay, God, you know, can we ch start with me? <laughs> I want to make sure I'm okay. And he did. I'm all right. Um, and I want to talk about two different factions of people. Um, I want to talk about the unsaved. The unsaved who are dead. All right? They don't have Christ. They're going to hell. And they're all around us. And we all know people who aren't saved. They're our family. They're our friends. They're people that we're close to. And what does it mean to not be saved? It means you don't have Christ in your heart, right? I'm going over very basic elementary stuff, so please bear with me, right? But sometimes we need to remember some things, right? So if it, if it means if you're unsaved, that means you don't have Christ in your heart. What does it mean to be saved? You have Christ in your heart. And what are we saved from? We're saved from sin. We're saved from death. And we're saved from the accuser. Biggest accuser not being the devil, biggest accuser being the one that looks in the mirror at yourself every single day. That's the main accuser of the brethren. I accuse myself more than anybody could ever accuse me of anything in life. But I am free from that 
in spirit, in the flesh, I still struggle with it, right? That's why there's this dichotomy of flesh and spirit. But we're saved from sin. So Christ died not for my mistakes, not for my bad habits, but for the sins I've committed, the sins I committed in the past, the sins I'm probably somehow committing right now, the sins I will commit when I leave here, and forever, forever, they're done. They're dealt with on the cross. We have to understand that. I'm saved from death because my sin has been dealt with. Sin cannot enter God's presence. It's impossible. So if when we go to the Old Testament standard, God showed me a while ago, we, we were, I was in a Bible study and they were talking about David, how David danced before the Lord. And he got indignant, right? I mean, he took his clothes off and he was running around and, and he was just praising God. And every 10 steps they would take with the Ark of the Covenant, they would stop and slaughter a thousand cows or whatever they did, right? And that was so awesome. And we even preached about that in church. And I'm like, time out. I, I, don't, I don't have to get indignant before God anymore. I don't have to sh- be a, put on a show for the Lord. I don't have to slaughter a cow. The lamb was slaughtered and that's it. I don't, I don't want to rebuild the temple of David. I have the temple of the Holy Spirit. And, and I'm not trashing anything here, but I'm saying, guys, expand our minds a little bit. We're living in a freedom. I, I, I saw this. I saw David talking to God, writing the Psalms. And I saw how amazing it was. And then I saw, I saw Christ when he was walking the earth, and, and he went to pray, and, 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 and um, Peter saw him talking to Moses. He saw him talking to some of the, the men of old. And, and I'm saying, we're so much at an advantage over all of them. No matter what David did, no matter how many animal sacrifices he made, it was temporary. He could sacrifice an animal, we could sacrifice this, we could do this, and it only covered us till our next step. And oh my gosh, I messed up again. Get me a cow. Get me a goat. It, 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 just, it was constant, constant. When, we, when the Israelites would go to war, they would have to do these things and, and say these prayers and do these things so God would somehow give, grant them favor. I ain't got to do nothing to get God's favor because God is in me. So, and if you're not, if you got to be careful because if, if you take that the wrong way, you think you can just do whatever you want and everything is going to be good. No, there's, listen, there's earthly consequences to our actions. But as a born-again believer, there's no more heavenly consequences for me. I'm going to heaven when I die. If you're not sure about that, you need to get saved. There's nothing I can do that's going to prevent me from going into God's presence when I breathe my last. There's a ton of stuff I can do to prevent me from fulfilling my calling on this earth. And we have to separate the two. So whose job is it to save people? Is it my job? Is it your job? I would say Absolutely not. I can't save you. I can't go to my unsaved loved one and somehow save them from themselves. Christ saves people. So if I can't save anyone and I can't even save myself, what is my job? My job is to call out and point people to the one who can save them. It's very simple. We make it very complicated. I've made it very complicated most of my life. But Jesus saves. Anthony doesn't save. Pastor Charlie can't save you. None of us can do anything. All we can do is point. Hey, this way, this way. And then when when Christ comes in, he handles it. 
which is, you know, one of the main things I say is I don't care about your sin issues. If, and I'm talking right now to unsafe people. Okay, we're, I think everybody in here is pretty good, right? But when we're looking at unsafe people, I don't care about their sins. I don't care what they're going. I don't care if they're a homosexual. I don't care if they're an alcoholic. I don't care if they're a liar. I don't care if they're a murderer. I don't care because none of that will keep them from heaven. The only thing keeping them from heaven is the lack of Christ. And when they find Christ and they find the love of God, all those things can begin to change in them. But it ain't going to change until they find God. You know, one of the things that, that God told me is, he said, Anthony, if you spend, all your time looking down and passing judgment and condemning the unsaved, who's telling them about Jesus? Because you certainly are not. And I'm like, oh, that hurts, God. <laughs> and he's like, but let's get real. What did, did I tell you to go condemn the world? Even when Jesus spoke, he didn't condemn the world. Jesus' most harsh words were for the Pharisees and the, and the so-called believers back then, right? And, and you have to realize that if you look back to then, almost every word that Jesus spoke when he walked the earth was a word of condemnation for everyone who heard it. And somebody said, that's not true. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's not true? Okay, so Jesus said, have you ever murdered someone? No, I've never murdered someone. Have you ever been angry? Yeah, you're a murderer, you're going to hell. Have you ever cheated on your wife? No. Have you ever lusted? Yeah. Okay, you're an adulterer, you're going to hell. That's condemnation. You can't get around it. He condemned us all because anyone who thought they were somehow good enough, he said, uh -uh -uh, only me, only me. But even though his words condemned us, his one action saved all of us. So that's, that's where I, I tie that in because, oh, wait, wait, Jesus didn't condemn. Oh, yeah, go read what he said. He condemned us. Without him, we are condemned, right? All right. Um, so we're to be witnesses, and what is a witness? A witness is someone who has experienced an event and can provide training or an eyewitness account to what they've experienced, and that's it. That's what a witness does. So go be a witness. Go tell people what God did in your life. And you don't even got to literally tell them what God did in life. Go tell people how much God loved you. Any, listen, none of us in here who are saved, we're really saved by someone pointing a finger and saying, you're going to hell if you don't accept Christ, and you better stop drinking, and you better stop doing That's not what gets us saved. That can scare us into the altar. I mean, heaven's gates and hell's flames scared a lot of people into the altar. And I know a lot of them who got saved and went right back into the world, right? Because it's emotional. Well, I don't want to go to hell. And what is hell? I don't even know. That's another thing. Listen, if you're preaching hell, fire, and brimstone to people, and listen, I get it. I was saved under that. But my God, if I could go back and just realize the love of God, it would have saved me so much problems over two decades. But if, 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 if you're talking to an unbeliever and telling them that they're going to go to hell, they don't care. If they don't believe in God and heaven, they don't believe in the devil and hell. So it would be like me telling you, hey, listen, be careful when you go outside because the Joker is going to be out there. You better get Batman first because it's a, a, a story to them. They don't get it. 
But if you can go to someone and be a witness and say, listen, man, I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what the church has told you. I don't care. But let me explain something. God loves you. Who's God? Listen, well, who God is? That's the, the guy who created you. He loves you just as you are. Well, he don't, you know, you guys think God loves me. Well, I'm this, that. Doesn't matter what you are. God loves you. Not only does he love you, he created you. You're fearlessly, wonderfully made in his image. And all he wants to do is show you how much he loves you. He, you know what? I was this, this, that's where your testimony comes in. I had this in my life. I had that in my life. And you know what? God just accepted me for who I am. And, and you know what? I will be honest. As I started walking through it, some of the things started falling off me. I can't explain it, but it just happens. But I don't care what the church tells you. I don't care what your father told you, your Sunday school teacher told you. Bottom line is God loves you, and that will capture their attention. Whether they believe you or not, if you tell someone that they're loved unconditionally, they're going to be curious about it. So that's what we are as witnesses, because we are called to be a witness for what Christ did. Not an accuser for what somebody else is doing. So my question is, are we testifying as witnesses or are we sentencing people as judges? I'm guilty. I've done it. All the time I judge people. And if you say you don't, then you're full of it. I'm judging you. (laughs) But it's a reality that we live in. And guess what? You cannot be a judge and a witness at the same time. A judge cannot witness to an event. God does not witness to people. God's a judge. He settles the matter. Our job, our commission, is to be a witness to the goodness and love that God has poured out on all of us on behalf of Christ, Christ whose sole purpose is to reconcile all of humankind to the Father. So when we're testifying before the unsaved, before people who don't have the love of God, don't know God, don't want nothing to do with God, let me explain something. All right. Another word God gave me. My heart aches today for the lost, mainly because I realize that no one rejects God when they see him. You can't. If you really see God People don't reject them. When they see the unconditional love he has for them. So why is it that sometimes when they see me, they reject? Am I promoting Christ? Or what I think a believer ought to look and act like? Am I pointing out their deficiencies? Or am I showing them the same love God showed me with all of my deficiencies? Brother and sister, the good news is not that someone has to completely fix all their issues before they find the love of the Father. The good news is that the price for their sins has been paid in full and that a loving, accepting God will welcome anyone who calls upon him just as they are. Trust that God will work out the details and fix the issues they have, being faithful to complete the good work he has started. Our job is simply to be a glaring example of that completed work. Now go and literally love the hell out of someone today. That's all, that's the whole purpose of the kingdom. 
to fill it with love and, and God. And people say, well, God, you're so mushy. and mu-. Listen, it ain't mushy love, man. It's challenging fire love. It ain't like some like, oh, mamby-pamby. It, it ain't that, man. It's a love that will challenge you to the core of your being. But here's the thing. It's not my job to challenge you to the core of your being. It's God's job. It's the Holy Spirit's job. And he's very good at it, much better than we could ever be. Because he knows us. <clears throat> so when we, see, when we see the people out there who are not saved, we have to go at them correctly. We have to go at them with love. Stop judging, man. It's not working. Well, you know, what's the, de- the definition of insanity? He's doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results all the time. Listen, we have tried to go fix the issues people have. <clears throat> it's kind of like I said before, I, I, I've said, you know, if God forbid, if I had stage four lung cancer and I couldn't stop coughing and it was ruining my life. And I went to a surgeon. The surgeon's like, Anthony, it's okay. I've got a pill here that's going to help you stop coughing. I'd say, I don't care about the coughing, dude. I'm dying from cancer. But we look at the lost and we're like, okay, if they'll just stop doing this, I listen, stop it. Listen, there's great people out there, the most wonderful people that don't have Christ and they're going to bust hell wide open if they don't receive them. And there are born-again believers out there that struggle their whole lives. And we're going to talk about that next. That can't, they, they have these certain sin issues in their life. They just can't get rid of addiction, whatever it is. And they perish in the earth, but they go straight to the Father. It's something we don't understand. And we can't, we're not supposed to understand it, but we're just supposed to do it anyway. Right? When you're given an order by an authority, it doesn't matter whether you can understand or not. You just do it. If Charlie tells me to do something, Char- listen, Pastor Charlie is someone I trust a lot. I, I've been in the foxhole with him. I've known him for most of my Christian life. And if Charlie tells me to go jump off a building, I'll be like, God, you're either going to rescue me or he's going to be in big trouble afterwards, but I'll do it. <laughs> because I trust the man's heart. I really do. And no, I probably wouldn't really jump off a building. I'd jump off the stage. But... Um, <laughs> No, but seriously, like, find some people in your life that you could trust. So, okay, so now that we've talked about those on the outside, let's do a wellness check on ourselves. Let's talk about ourselves. So we've talked about the unsaved who are out there. Well, let's talk about the lost among us. Can someone be both saved and at the same time lost? 100% yes. And... When God told me that, I was like, that doesn't make sense to me because the lost, he's like, stop. You're just putting the words that the church has put on what someone unsaved is, okay? But you can absolutely be lost in your sins. You can be lost in your direction. You can be, and you can still have me and you're coming to heaven when you die, but you're completely lost and you don't know where you're going. That's really the definition of being lost is you don't know where you are. And my gosh, if that isn't a huge problem in the kingdom, a bunch of people with, that God's given us every single map and we're just kind of walking around blindly trying to find our way to where we're going. I'm the most guilty of it. I'm always the most guilty. But, um, huh? I'm j- judge myself. In love, I'm completely saved. Um, but lost forever necessarily, lost doesn't necessarily mean it the way 
that we're going to hell. It just means you are not headed where you think you are. And you can be a born-again believer thinking you're heading the right way, thinking you're doing the right thing, and you're completely lost. And it's okay, because the word tells us there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And that's the good news. Whenever anyone preaches, it doesn't matter if, if the word itself convicts you, like this word convicted me, it's not a conviction of condemnation. It's good news, because what he's doing is saying, Aunt, you've been lost, but here's the map. Just walk over here. You're back on the right path. Okay, awesome. I can handle that. I don't want to handle someone pointing their finger at me. No one wants that. If it ain't good news, I'm not talking about it. I'm just not going to do it. Um, you can be lost and have no clue where you're lost. And where does that come into place? That I mean, there's scripture that I would back that up with is in Galatians. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Um, before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was p- clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? Are, after beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? The Galatians were... When Paul wrote this, they were believers, and they're completely lost. They started going back to what they had. So how, how is it that someone can get saved and then become lost? And like, there's millions of ways. I picked a couple. Um, number one, we can forget the circumstances that led to us getting saved. And I touched on this before. Picture where you were before Christ. Picture where you were when he met you and you received him. When you really took him into your heart. It wasn't because you were afraid of going to hell. You might have you even came up and said the sinner's prayer because of that. But when you really let him in is, because, is when you realized how much he loved you. I, I got saved from the fear of hell. I mean, I heard a message, and I'm like, oh. I, and I had just enough faith to believe in God, but then like, what set me to the altar was like, I don't want to die and go to hell. So I came up here, and I, but you know what? For the first couple years of my Christianity, I thought God was just this monster. You better accept him, because he's waiting, and he's going to get me if I mess up. And that was my relationship, you know, because I didn't understand who my father was. I mean, we all put, when we think of Father God, I don't care who you are, you, until you get free from it, you picture your own father. None of us had perfect fathers. Some of us had better fathers than others, right? I'm a first-generation Christian. Mine wasn't great, right? So when I thought of God, I thought of him. And I'm like, oh, that's how he is? That's how my dad is? You know, and you go through it, man, but you got to get over it. And the great thing is this. Once I started to realize who God really was, not my earthly dad, but someone who just completely loves me, all of a sudden the, the, the healing of your earthly father starts to take place too. I mean, my dad <clears throat> was an alcoholic. He was never physically abusive, but extremely emotionally abusive. But I've come to realize, okay, but the man never missed a day at work. The man always provided. I started to see the good. 
And he really just did the best that he could based on his relationship growing up with his father. And listen, you got to, there's, there's brothers and sisters out there or, or people that are in your family that I don't care if you're five years old or 95 years old, that you have been letting rent space in your head your entire life and you got to forgive. I think forgiveness is the most important thing we do because it's the most important thing that happened to us. Amen. We were completely forgiven by Christ. But if you hold on to bitterness about something that happened in your life, and I've had bad stuff happen in my life, man. I was, name it. I was abused by other people. I was sexually abused. Everything is happening in my life. I, I am grateful to God that one of the gifts he's given me is to be a pretty quick forgiver. I don't hold stuff. I might hold it for a little bit, but I let it go. You know, like, like you know, I'm not going to go into the whole story, but, you know, when, when me and my wife went through a divorce and she was cheating on me, I was interceding for the guy she was cheating on me with. And that's not, it wasn't me because I wanted him dead. <laughs> but God spoke to me. He's like, you do this. And um, it's, it's obedience. And here's what happens, though. When you start to forgive, start praying for whoever it is. Just even if it's sarcastic. All right, God, yeah, bless them. Okay, I don't, you know, maybe you want to bless them by taking them home early, God. They really want to see you. But no, start, start praying, even if it's in your flesh at first, and all of a sudden you're going to wake up one day going through your prayer, and all of a sudden one morning you're going to wake up and just start praying for them, and it's going to be more sincere and more sincere and more sincere, and all of a sudden, wait, I don't hate them anymore, is going to happen. You can't pray for someone continually and still hate them. And guess what? As Christians, we shouldn't be hating anybody anyway. I mean, I, get, I, I had gotten very caught up in the political stuff going on. And for a while, I would say, I, I really dislike this person in the White House or that person doing this. But listen, man. First of all, and we just had to talk about this this morning, we have to realize that this country which we always say was founded on Christian principles. No, it was founded on the freedom of religion. Freedom of religion. Be whatever you want to be. It was not founded on the cross. Now, the majority even of the founding fathers were Christians, but they saw something. They said, we're not going to, we're not a theocracy, guys. We're a democracy, a democratic republic, whatever it is. Okay, but also this, you know, when we go around waving our flag, America, you know, and listen, I, I've been one of them. America stands for abortion because the Supreme Court says it's okay. How does that line up? We talk about all these great things, and we're like, wait a minute, we're a pretty screwed up world. We got to realize, I don't serve that flag. I serve that God, 100%. I love our country, and I believe we are the most free country in the world. But I don't care if Donald Trump, Joe Biden, or the devil himself is my president. My God overrules all of them. It don't matter. And we have to think that way because if we don't, we're going to go up and down based on who's in power. When reality is he's in complete power in my life, maybe not in the world's life, but I'm not trying to compare myself to the world. And we can't compare ourselves to the world. We are supposed to be the ones walking around that the world is looking at us and saying, I'm jealous. What do they have? What do they have that I don't have? Instead, we walk around saying, we're going to get America back. I don't care. 
I mean, I don't care. America could fall by the wayside. Just like Rome fell by the wayside. Places fall and it's terrible. And of course you pray against it. And you pray that people figure out Christ. But yeah, pray that they figure out Christ, not that they figure out what, what our country is. Okay? That's a little side road. I'm sorry. <clears throat> huh? I do feel better. All right. Second thing is we think that we had something to do with our own salvation or that our actions somehow justify our standing with God. And guess what? You had nothing to do with your own salvation. You were saved in spite of who you were at the time. I was saved in spite of who I was at the time. People talk a lot and they say, you know, God doesn't hear the prayers of sinners. Well, then how did he hear you in the first place? We have to stop this insanity of telling people that they got to first fix themselves before they find Christ. And especially with ourselves, because if we go by that standard with other people, then guess what? We go by that standard with ourselves. And this is how we become lost. All of a sudden, it's not that Jesus saved me by grace, even though he did. All of a sudden, we're like, you know, I've, I've, I've read my Bible through five times, and, and that's why I am standing good with God now. No, it's not. Or you know what? I pay my tithes regularly, and I give to the church, and that's why I am rich and highly blessed. Tell that to every billionaire heathen out there. That's why they're blessed. It's not true. We pay our tithes because we want to see the church continue to flow, and we want to see certain things happen, and we read our Bible not so we're standing good with God, but when we realize how close God is to us, this is a, this is a direct line to him, and we want to learn more about our creator. It's all just about the perspective change. Stop thinking you had anything to do with it. Because when you think that, you're going to think other people got to do something to get it. And they don't. What they really got to do is see the light in you, and they're attracted to it. And, the th- and, and what that means, basically, is you can do one of two things to get lost. You can either fall back into the law, or you can manipulate grace. And they both lead to the same place, lost in the woods. We, like I said, we spent the last week in Yellowstone, and we, went, we were in the woods. And um, we, <laughs> we, went, um, we went to the Grand Teton Mountains, and we decided to do a hike. Because, you know, I've lost, I've lost like 200 pounds in the last year, so I'm like, I'm ready to go hiking, and I'm going to have fun. And I didn't buy any of the proper equipment to do a hike with. I was wearing these sneakers in a place where there's still snow on the ground, and I'm like, we're just going to do a beginner hike. We're going to go up to this fall, and it's going to be awesome. And, you know, we were doing it, and there was nobody there. It wasn't a lot of people at the time while we were there. And about four miles into this hike, I'm like, oh, God, what are we doing here? Because we have to walk back after we're done with this? Luckily, there was a boat that would take you back when you're completed with it. But I'm like, okay, that's okay. We can do And, you know, listen, I, I walk and run now and ride my bike. Four miles isn't a big deal, but when you're in a mountain – and you're in snow, it becomes a big deal, especially when you were in sneakers. And so it was pretty good, but we got to this one place where it, the, the path was about this wide, and then there was just a cliff that went into rapids. And this one path that I could go was ice. And it was at a little bit of an angle, and I'm like, I can't do this. Like, I'm done. Like, and, but my wife's like, listen, we're four and a half miles in, we're not turning around. Ooh. And I'm like... Sneakers! 
<laughs> and um, so I'm like, okay, okay, I'll figure this out. So I, I get on my hands and knees, and, I'm, and my hands are freezing. I'm not wearing gloves. I was, listen, don't do what I did. And so I'm, I'm, I'm inching my way across this snowy ice stuff, and I'm looking back, and I just look forward. Please look forward. Don't look back. And um, all of a sudden, I, I hit something that they call a post hole. I didn't know what a post hole was until I experienced the post hole, but it's a soft spot. And I'm crawling, and all of a sudden, I sank three feet into the snow. Boof! I assumed I would go 10 feet in the snow and die at this point. I'm screaming like a little girl in the middle of the woods, and there's no one to help me. And I, you know, and of course, I'm carrying, and my gun comes out of my pocket. Everything gets soaking wet, and I'm just, I just wanted to use that gun at that point because I just figured it'd be easier to shoot myself than drown. But I... I got out of the hole, and I made it to the other side. And so now my wife's coming over, you know, and she gets about halfway. She goes, I can't make it. I'm not going to make it. I'm like, you forced me. You're going to make it. If you die, I'll send a letter. <laughs> but you're, you're getting over this. You're coming. Like, you know, because I, I ain't going back. And um, so she made it. And then for the next 50 yards or so, it was just ice. And I fell five times, like not gracefully either like whoops right on my back and I'm wearing like a 40 pound back sack and it's just like miserable but but you know what at the end of the day it was it was an accomplishment it was it was fun <laughs> overall isn't that how life is sometimes right like at the end of the day we can say it's fun but sometimes the stuff we go through is not fun so how to find yourself again is number one never go alone never go on your journey alone in Christianity, in life. Never be alone. We're not meant to be alone. You know, being up in the mountains, we, I, I started watching all these things about Bigfoot, right? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm like watching all this stuff, like, oh, I'm going to learn about it. You know, people who go missing in national parks, I'm like, I'm watching all this stuff, like, okay, God. <laughs> Stupid stuff to watch. But, but one of the things they talk about when people who go missing is there's a point of separation. There's always a point of separation where there'll be two or three people and then one of them just wants to go look at something and they just separate from the group and then they're just never heard from again. And God's like, yeah, same thing with my church. You start off with your group, and you're walking as a, as a group, and then somebody just kind of veers off here, and the rest of the group just keeps going, and they're never heard from again. They never enter the church building again. So don't be a lone ranger. We're not meant to be a lone ranger. Second of all, as I learned, always take the proper gear with you when you're walking. Don't wear sneakers. <clears throat> But in this, wear the armor of God. It's really simple. And I'm not even going to read the scripture about the armor of God. I have it right here, but there's no need to read it because this is not a religious thing to do. Like literally, you're wearing the armor of God whether or not you wake up in the morning and say it over yourself. Like it's there because he's in you and Jesus ain't walking anywhere without the armor. And if he's in me, it's on me. Now I get why we say it because it helps our minds, right? A lot of the things that we do as Christians is mental, right? God's gift, can I tell you something? There's nothing God hasn't given you. There's nothing God hasn't, but sometimes we have to say things for us to understand that we have them. We're talking it out, and God's totally cool with that, and I do it all the time, and we always do it all the time, but do it with the understanding that you already got it. You're just refreshing your own brain to make sure that you understand you have it. And I will close so we can all start the party with this. And I think this is one of the most important things for us to do, especially in this church. You know, I, 
I'll preface this by saying, for any of you guys that ever heard me talk before, you know, my gift is evangelism, and that's what I, I really like to do. I like to talk to the unsaved people. But I, when Charlie asked me a couple weeks ago to preach, I said, God, I don't want to evangelize. I want to, I want a pastor's message. I want to talk like a pastor because I care about these people. And I know Charlie cares about these people. And, you know, we don't always need to hear, like, the, the get out and go save the lost people. We should know this by now, right? So give me a message for, for, for us. And that's what he was talking about. So this is important. The last thing and the most important thing that thing we could do is we need to accept and, in fact, ask for the counsel of others. One of the best things I ever heard somebody say, and this is a person that used to go to our church who doesn't go anymore, when, when someone would, would get saved, he would say, listen, I want you to go find three men in your life that will tell you no, that you will listen to. Or if you're a woman, three women in your life that are a little more mature than you, that can tell you no, and you'll listen to. It's so important. In this church, we have a lot of awesome leadership. We have the elders. We have Pastor Charlie. We have a lot of people that you guys can go up to, and I do all the time go up to and say, am I on the right path here? You know what I mean? And I know I am, or I know if I'm not, but sometimes, even when I know I'm not, I just want them to catch me out on it because I'm, I know myself is not going to back away from what I, what I want to do, right? But accept the counsel of other people. We're not meant to be alone. This is, a, this is a race that we're all running together. And if we run it together, we're going to finish it well. And the last thing I'll do is read a poem that I wrote while we were in Branson. <clears throat> Branson changed my life. If none of you guys have ever been to a, a son's conference, a brother's conference, daughter's, whatever you want to call it, okay, go to it. I didn't, I didn't understand it. Charlie's been going with Jack Taylor and these guys for a decade now. I never went to anything. I just, it was like, okay, I'm not calling anybody Papa nothing. That's not my thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's weird. I don't get it. But I'm not going to judge it, so I'll just zip it. In my heart, but never to your face. <laughs> but anyway, so a friend of mine who went to the one in Louisiana said, you need to go to this in Branson. I'm like, okay, I'll fine, I'll go check this out. Completely sold out to the understanding of it when I experienced what it is. It's the kingdom. It really is. And I totally understand if you don't get it, because you can't get it necessarily till you experience it. But when you experience what what I had to do was take it out of the church context and put it into the kingdom context. Because in a church context, it don't work. It's cult, and it could easily be that. But in what the kingdom is, it's 100% real, and I get it. So I recommend if, you know, listen, Charlie's our spiritual father here. He's our pastor. He's our apostle. But he's also your spiritual dad. Lean on him. Get some of the understanding. I am your spiritual brother, and we're all brothers and sisters, we need to lean on each other. But what I learned is one thing is this. You need to be intentional. I mean, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ, right? But there's certain people that are your brothers and your sisters that you're a little closer to, not because of anything else, but because we're intentional about relationships. And I've made up, I've become intentional with some people in my relationships. And I would recommend that for all of us. 
Because intentional means a lot. Intentional means if, if I haven't heard from you in a couple days, I'm going to call you. Not to say, what are you doing? Just, dude, how's everything? It's important to be intentional, especially right now. So we're at this conference, and I said, I'm not doing anything at this conference, God. I'm just going to sit in the back, and I'm going to do my stuff. And God just starts giving me all this stuff. No, you're not. You're going to do this, this, this. And I'm like, no, I'm not. But, of course, he wins. And um, so they're doing worship one day, and they weren't even singing Amazing Grace, but all of a sudden I started singing it. <clears throat> how many know that? Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. And I stopped. Well, God stopped me. He said, Anthony, what is the sound of grace? I'm like, I've never thought of that. Like, I've sang that song my entire Christian life. I know what the reality of grace is. I know what the word of grace is. I know who grace is. But what's the sound of it? What does grace sound like? Or is it just some lyrics somebody wrote to get the rhyme in there? I don't think so. So God said, I'm going to show you some stuff. I want you to write this down. This is a poem that I'm writing for my people. And I'm like, gosh, this conference thing is so weird, God. You're giving me all this weird stuff. But I said, okay, what do you want me to write? And I started writing. This is a word, it's a poem that I'm going to close with that is God speaking to us. I have seen your cries. Every teardrop from your eyes is precious to me. You have called me father, and I have called you friend. My love I have for you, it has no end. Battered and bruised, disrespected and used, I cried for you, and I died for you. For such a long time, I could see you, but I could not let you see me. It's not that I didn't desire for you to see all my majesty. Yet I in my glory just could not reveal myself to you in your flesh. For though I created you in my own image, these two could simply not mesh. I gave you the kings, the prophets, the judges. I taught you to sacrifice. Yet all the burnt offerings, the lambs and the doves, could never fully suffice. So I sent my son, who is my spirit, who in fact is me, to come live among you the life I intended for all of humanity. In him I sat with you, walked with you, talked with you. This was all part of my plan. Then all of your pain, your shame, and your sin, I placed on myself, the final lamb. And as my creation hung me on a cross. The man in me breathed his last. But the I am who I am could not be killed. So I laid my life down. I went to the tomb. I paid the full price. 
I took the keys. I preached in the pit. And I reconciled us at last. Now boldly I tell you to come to my throne. No longer must I hide my face. My blood has redeemed you. I fully receive you. This is the sound of grace. And this is the end. Thank you for tuning in to today's message from Identity Church. To know more about us, go to identitychurch.net, where you'll find resources such as a calendar, media, and upcoming events. You may also download an app for your mobile device from the Apple App Store or Google Play. Then from your mobile device, you can hear our messages, read from the Bible, take notes, connect with us on the social media, and even pay your tithe. Again, thank you for tuning in to today's message from Identity Church.